0: Hey everyone, this is episode 41 of the Gimme Golf Podcast, powered by com. Today we're going to have a really fun episode that may be helpful to your golf game. We're going to talk about how to have realistic expectations with your game. And joining me today is Nate DeWitt. Nate, I enjoy our uh, podcast times together. We have a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, especially uh, when you had this topic. It's like, yeah, no, no one has a big ego, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, nobody has a big ego with golf. (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit about egos because they can affect our expectations with our golf games. But before we go into having realistic expectations, we should talk a little bit about what are some unrealistic expectations. So the first one that I'm going to mention is uh, not playing a lot of golf and expecting to have a low-scoring round. Yeah, it's, have you seen that before?
1: Yeah, it's not like riding a bike, right?
0: It's
1: <laughs> not something you you just remember. It's um, yeah, it takes some work for sure.
0: Yes, it, it, it does. So I often see that you know uh, frustrations with uh, students and players on the course. Oh man, that was the worst round. And it's like, okay, well, when was the last time you played golf? So sometimes that can feel a little discouraging when you have a bad round. But again, it's all about having yeah. realistic expectations.
1: Have you seen naturals in golf that people don't pick it up for months and they just go back out and they can play? Well, I've never run across that person.
0: Actually, I have. I, I've seen it in a few cases of somebody who rarely plays golf and they go out and they're able to break, you know, maybe 82, 83, have a really good round. Or just around under eighty-five. I think that's really good, especially if you only play like once or twice a year and you go out, and you break eighty-five or something. That's really that's good. There's some natural abilities there.
1: Yeah, I've never seen it, and I, obviously, I'm not one of those people, so
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm not either. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I I wish I was, but I have seen some raw talent like that. Uh, in fact, my dad is somewhat like that. He doesn't play too much golf, and when he goes out, he always has good rounds. It's, you know what? But he's so relaxed, and he has such a good time. I think that uh, he goes into it with uh, realistic expectations of not playing well, and then he plays well and really enjoys it. So,
1: that's <laughs> well, a good way to be. It's tough to do that. It's tough to do that, though. It's, it's it is tough. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It really is. Um, number two is you know for students that are you know for golfers that are students and they're getting golf instruction expecting really quick results after you have a golf lesson, you know, is something that I don't recommend um, because it takes a few weeks to really build the muscle memory and you know different things that you're learning in the golf swing to really connect with your mind and body. So a lot of times um, people think, oh yeah, I'm just gonna go get a golf lesson. They get a golf lesson. They go out right after a golf lesson and play and expect to have a really good round when it just doesn't quite work like that. It's somewhat um, in comparison to if you start a new workout routine and you go to your first personal trainer and you have one session and then expect to have muscles the same day. Expect to be you know, ripped and cut. No, it doesn't work that way usually. Just as if you're working out your own body, it takes a couple weeks to start to see some uh, positive changes. It is the same thing with the golf swing when you're working on your swing. So having uh, realistic expectations and knowing it takes a few weeks to create change um is, is a good thing
1: <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm the, that kind of gym gym uh expectations when i started it's like oh this isn't working so you've got to get by at least with the gym like a month you've got to yes. get through and not mm-hmm. expect to see anything it, it, in my in my um um experience with going to the gym mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it does. 21 to 30 days is going to be in that time frame that you start to see change. And it's just like anything in life, um, not just with learning the golf swing or working out and going to the gym. If you're trying to change just a habit, maybe it's a behavior, it's still the same principles. It takes time, you know, for our, our brains to somewhat rewire because that's actually what takes place in our brains. We're sending, you know, this new information, it could be a new concept, and we're you know, kind of uh, changing our neuro pathways in our brain, and that's a whole process, and that takes several weeks. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. And I, th- I think with golf too, it's it's you got to build some confidence too, right? You've got to get out and play and actually hit some good shots, hit a string of good shots, and then that builds your confidence. Um, in, in my opinion, anyway. Exactly. So, yeah.
0: Um, also, you know, I want to mention quick fixes for unrealistic expectations. Uh, Sometimes somebody can maybe see a golf tip and say, oh, wow, that's what I need to do when it may not be what they need to do, and then they, they make a change, maybe an unnecessary change in their golf swing, and they're expecting these great results, and then things kind of get worse or they don't get better, and it's like, hey, that did not work. Therefore, that information was not good. When that information could be great it just may not be a fit for that golfer and that's why again i always recommend i know i mentioned this on our last episode episode 40 of our gimme golf podcast you know getting a golf lesson is great you know find find a pga or an lpga uh, teaching pro in your area go at least try one golf lesson because that way you somewhat get a Diagnosis of what is going on with your swing instead of guessing, and I see so many issues with that. You know, many people that just don't want to take the time out to just have that one golf lesson to give an accurate diagnosis, and then they try to self-diagnose. It's very much like us going on Google. If we have the sniffles, um, start Googling, and then we and then before you know it, you're on this bunny trail of oh no, I might have this, I might have that, trying to self diagnosed when we can simply just go to a doctor and say hey I have the sniffles what is this oh this is your diagnosis take this medicine you're good to go everything's a-okay it's the same thing with the golf swing we kind of need to treat it that way you know go get a diagnosis don't necessarily watch everything that you read on the internet with the golf swing there's going to be great information there's going to be not so great information and even with the great information again It's just like medicine. We don't need to take every single medicine out there, right?
1: Yeah, it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing, right?
0: Exactly. (laughs) So having realistic expectations, how can we do that? How do we solve this issue of our um, maybe high expectations that we have when we're out in the course? Um, Well, the first thing that I want to mention is committing to good practice, not just going out. And banging balls. You and I have talked about this before. It's so easy, and we're guilty of it. I've done it. I know you've done it. It's it's so easy to go out there and just hit balls and just feel it and just you know one after another. I've done it.
1: I do it. I mean, I continually (laughs) do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, again, we're all guilty, and I have to really, even with myself, um, be very conscientious of my practice time. And so, usually, what I do is I create somewhat of a system. I'm all about routines because with routines, um, you're going to learn and develop more quickly. And again, that's going to give you consistency and confidence, and it will help you know guard your expectations. But for example, uh, when you're out on the range, I would recommend you know truly finding your target and really engaging with your target and trying to hit all your shots to that target. The goal is we want a nice, tight ball dispersion with our practices to where you can look at the area around the pen, your target, and say, you know what? I got my balls closer to that area today, and you know, picking out whatever yardage you want from that pin, the diameter, but just picking out an area to where you want all of your balls to go. It may be, and you may want to start out, you know, if you're a higher handicapper, don't pick something that's going to be too tight and not realistic. You know, you might be, you know, learning how to uh, play the game of golf right now, and your goal is just to get the ball in the fairway. You know, it might not be hitting a pin. I mean, we have to be realistic. I mean, I know I wanna hit a fairway. That's always gonna be my first goal. Let's get the ball in the fairway. And so when you're out practicing, you might wanna say, you know what? I'm gonna give myself a range of, you know, a span across the range of 50 yards. And if I can keep my ball within that 50 yards, hey, I'm a happy camper because I know if this translated out on the golf course, it will be in the fairway. So, you know, create simple goals when you're practicing on the range, because really range practice is you want to simulate the golf course. So I don't know if you do that, Nate, but when you're practicing, do you try to simulate the golf course, like almost pretend you're on the golf course when you're hitting shots?
1: I don't. I'm completely I'm completely um, guilty of not doing that. <clears throat> the thing I am starting to do now, though, is I am starting to, instead of just hit a ball, get another ball, I am taking its time and stepping back Mm -hmm. and doing what you've always talked about as a pre-shot routine. Now, and I do have a target for the most part, but I judge my range time on how solid I hit it. Not so much where it goes, which is the wrong thing to do, Mm -hmm. but I think if you – you mentioned if you simulate, that's the way to go, right? To to simulate a – Playing a hole is a way to do it.
0: Exactly, yeah. and Because it really makes it easy to somewhat translate your game from the range to the course. And that translation is very hard for many people. I, I have a lot of students that say, hey, when I'm on the range, I'm hitting the ball so well. When I get on the course, what is going on? And so there's a disconnect there of that translation, and it's really engaging the practice and putting – pressure on yourself. I'm a big advocate of practicing with a buddy. There's just accountability in that. It's very much like if you go to the gym and you have a workout buddy, it makes time go by f- faster. You enjoy it more. And there's not a competitiveness, but there's, you know, it's almost you can create, you know, fun in that when you're working out with someone. It's, it's just the same when you're practicing. Um, you can create, you know, you can play games with a practice buddy. You know, for example, uh, my son Solomon and I, when we practice together, we'll often compete with our wedges. So we'll, you know, pick a target, you know, maybe 80 yards out, and, you know, we'll grab a wedge, and we'll see who can get in tighter, who can hit the pin. And so sometimes we'll give ourselves each 10 to 15 balls, and we rotate shots. So he'll hit a shot, and then I'll hit a shot. He'll hit a shot. And then I hit a shot and we watch each other and it slows down the practice session to where he is making sure because he's competing with me. He's making sure that he's working through the pre-shot routine and I'm doing the same thing because we both want to hit the pin. And so that's a lot of fun. And then you can um, also do that with your longer clubs as well, you know, with your driver. And and if you don't have a buddy to practice with, you can do that by yourself. But, again, I would just select, you know, if you are by yourself and you don't have a practice buddy, I would pick maybe five of your most favorite clubs that you use the most out on the course. So I'm a big advocate of not practicing with the clubs you rarely play with get really 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 good at like five to seven clubs in your bag and play them all the time and then as your scores start to lower you're going to start noticing gaps in your game and you'll need to add some clubs to fill those gaps but you know start out really simple you know get good at five to seven clubs don't feel like oh i have to practice in with all 14 clubs no you don't you don't have to do that
1: yeah, and it's funny because I've told you this before. People, I go to the range, I start with the sandwich. <clears throat> I see a lot of people go to the range and they start with their driver or they start with a long iron. It's like that's, in my view, it's like that's those are the hardest clubs to hit. Start with the easy clubs first. Work your way into the harder clubs to hit.
0: Right? Oh, correct. That is, I mean, that is a great tip there, Nate. That's exactly, you want to start small with the shorter clubs. It's awful, It's also safer for your body. Uh, to do that to prevent injury. Um, You know, you're you're going into heavier, sometimes heavier clubs when you move into your longer clubs too. Longer clubs, a little bit more flexibility you needed with a wider arc and whatnot. But just starting out with, like you said, you know, starting out with your wedge, those shorter shots, it actually helps to warm up the body and prevent injury. So that's a really good habit as well.
1: Yeah, it it just cracks me up when I see someone do that. It's like, they're teeing the driver up first swing. It's like, <laughs> I guess they might be simulating though. They might be simulating the golf course because a lot of people get to the golf course and don't <laughs> hit any don't hit any range balls, and that's the first shot they hit, right? So that
0: is that's actually yep. true. Yeah, yep. that could be true for many players.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so. All right. So another thing is how to have realistic expectations. So the second thing would be grading grading your shots and what i mean by that is i use a scale with my students of one to ten and if you've ever had a lesson with me you know i do this because i'm always asking all right what would you rate that what would you rate that shot because i I like to have the feedback of what my student feels versus what i'm seeing and so the scale of one to ten ten obviously is going to be the best shot ever it is that shot you love it's that pure shot and then obviously one well that's no good So I always tell my students this. If you have between a 7 and a 10 shot, that is an A. Like, you have an A. And the reality is this. Are we going to have 10s every single shot when we're out in the course? Absolutely not. Not even the tour players. If they they themselves were rating their shots, I think people would be shocked at how they would rate their own shots. Now, you and I – um, are watching them and saying, "Oh my gosh, that was an amazing shot! It's, they're just an incredible player. That's a 10. But you ask them, they might say, "Oh, that's an eight, mm, seven and a half." You know, so they know when they know what their ten is. Um, so it's different. You know, the perception and the interpretation of that skill is going to be different for everyone. Uh, so what I do is with my students is when they have a shot that's not a ten, but it's still playable, it's relatively decent contact. Um, with the ball, the, the swings, somewhat function, uh, functionable. You know, at that point, I say, you yeah, know, it's, it's a seven. You're fine. You're good with that. Keeping it realistic. Now, if they have a shot that's not so great, but it's still playable, um, you know, there's coming into that shot, if they were to have to hit that shot, they could probably, they have a decent lie and whatnot. I might say, okay, it's a, that's a five or six, you know, B and C golf here. It's acceptable. It's satisfactory. It's not, you know, it's not maybe what the goals are, but again, keeping it realistic. If you can go out on the course and you can say maybe 80% of your game was between seven and 10 shots, seven to 10 on the scale of one to 10, that's really good golf. That's fun golf. It's keeping it realistic. Um, oftentimes, again, I see a lot of students that they want 10s every shot. And if they don't have a 10 and they're just not hitting perfect drives, then they feel like their game is not good. And that's just not even the case. Um, yeah. Again, it's it, you got to be real
1: realistic in this. You know, I've always looked at golf as it's not how good your good shots are, it's how good your bad shots are. So when, <laughs> right. when you do hit a bad shot, it's not devastating to you, right? It's not it's not a top, it's not a a fat shot. Those are shots you want to eliminate. When you hit a mm-hmm. shot that's thin, a little thin or maybe a little heavy, you can live with those shots, but it's the shots that you hit that can devastate a round, right? That's exactly, yeah. not or a, you know, right. I Look at it as a, as a top shot or something like that. You got to get rid of those really really bad shots.
0: That's, exactly. That's the, barom-
1: that's the barometer, in my view. It,
0: it is, and that's exactly using the scale of one to ten. Like you mentioned, you know, hitting that thin shot, um, you know, thin shots can still be great shots, very playable shots, um, and those would be in the seven to ten category. You know what? I'll give myself, you know what? I'm going to give myself an eight for that thin shot. <laughs> you know, and and so it's that perspective of all right. I gave myself an eight don't you don't stay in that place of oh man I hit that then why am I hitting it then those are good questions to ask maybe after your round if you just do a review like hey you know I noticed I hit it thin. I need to you know work on that and whatnot that's fine reflection after the round but in the midst of the round keeping it realistic is you know what okay so what I hit it then but you know what on a scale of one to ten it was an eight that's an a moving on to the next shot and it's like you said, Nate, you know, the goal is, you know, when you hit that really fat shot or you top it or you hook it in the woods. Now, now we're talking, you know, the one, two, three, four ranking on that scale shots. Those are the ones we want to avoid. And if you come out of a, a round of golf and you only have maybe two or three shots that were ranked like one to five on the scale of one to ten, okay, then you go back and you work on that after the round and reflect on that. But again, once you, if you keep it realistic with a mindset of if my shots are between 7 and 10 on a scale of 1 to 10, I guarantee you're going to have more fun playing golf, and that will be the start of more realistic golf for you.
1: I completely agree. Yep. Completely agree. <laughs> you're like, yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we talked about taking our game out in the course. We talked about the scale. Um all right, thirdly, I want to talk about having an honest appraisal of your swing. You know, um, you and I have talked about this before of this is where the ego comes in of many many players thinking, you know what, I want to play the Mac tees or um, I'm going to, you know, maybe it's a guy saying, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to play the men's tees. I would never play maybe the senior tees or the forward tees. I'm not going to do that because all of my friends are hitting from the uh, men's tees. Therefore I must hit from the men's tees. And that is just not the case. Um, I I think having an honest appraisal of your golf swing, know your yardages, you know, if, if you're driving only maybe 180 yards off the tee, it, it might be time to reflect on, you know what? It's okay. If I move to the forward tees, I guarantee you're going to have more fun golf. You're going to and you're going to have lower scores. It's going to be a win-win for you if you if you do that. Have that honest appraisal of your swing, and not only that, it will speed course play up. And there's a lot of benefits to that. You'll actually get home a little bit earlier. You won't you won't be out there as long, and you know you'll have what maybe a four and a half hour round hopefully doing that instead of five and a half hours okay so it will shorten your round a little bit maybe your wife doesn't like you out at the golf course so much guess what move to the forward tees tell your wife i'm moving to the forward tees honey i'll be home an hour early
1: (laughs) and disregard the colors you know because the red's always been equated to women and gold or seniors i wish courses would kind of just reinvent new um, new colors because it kind of says ah, I'm not going to play the red tees. Well, there's people that need to be playing the red tees. There's men that need to be playing the red tees, and but just like there's women that should probably play the white tees. You know, agreed. Because yes, because they're that good. You know, so it, we need to judge more upon what we're scoring based upon where we play. I think.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely a huge advocate for the gender gender neutral tees. We we've got to get away from the red being the ladies, the whites being the men, like you said. I mean, we, we need to move away from that um, and, and move away really from that system. Um, I think, you know, we're we're working toward that. I think we're making good progress and starting to get away from that. But I think those that have been playing golf for decades still have it kind of in their minds that they're, the red is ladies, the yellow is senior. You know, you kind of have those colors in your mind. But I think we're finally starting to make that shift which is great. And I'm seeing more and more people starting to play the correct tees. You know, they've taken honest appraisals of their swings and they're like, you know what? I'm not going to play, you know, I'm not going to move back in the tees until I hit a certain yardage with my drives and whatnot. So they have that honest appraisal. It's so much more fun. And even myself, you know, I grew up playing the men's tees when I was a teenager and in college and pretty much all through my 20s. It wasn't until I was in my 30s that I started letting go of the ego and saying, you know, I really think I'm going to play the, the red tees for this particular course. And you just look at the yardage of the course that you're playing and you can help make that determination. But I started doing it. And oftentimes, I mean, I play the red tees and the senior tees now, more than ever, occasionally I'll play the men's tees depending on the yardage, but I'm having so much more fun, and it really takes the pressure off me, especially for that second shot on a par five. Um, I struggle with that when, I, when I'm when i playing the men's tees because it really presses me on my yardages. So, you know, to each his own on that. You know, you have to determine uh, what you need to do for your swing, but it definitely, it will lower your score and you'll have more fun with your swing and your game.
1: Yeah, I, I agree when you're, especially, you know, playing, playing a par four and having a four, you know, people, you see them, they hit their driver and they got another fairway wood into a par four. It's like, you know, that's not fun. You know, you want to be able to have a, you know, six iron the most, six through a wedge into a right. par four to make golf fun, Right.
0: Exactly, yeah. yeah, and that's key, and that's a really good point is, you know, what is what does that second shot on a par five look like for you? That's something to ponder. That's a good question. It's not just your yardage. It is your yardage off the tee, but, but the other component variable to this is what does that second shot look like? And yeah. it, if you're having to really use, you know, if you're struggling on that par five, like, let's say you hit your second shot and you're still pretty far out. Yeah, you know, that's something yeah. to think about. Something definitely to think about. For sure. Yeah. Nate, do you have any suggestions on keeping uh, your golf game, your golf swing realistic? Anything you want to add?
1: So so I took a lot of time off in the game, and like I said, I realized it wasn't like riding a bike. One thing I am doing differently now is I am trying to have a golf club in my hand every three days. Now, I I practice more than I play. I've got to get better practice habits. Um, I seem to sometimes play hit the ball better when I'm on the course because I take my time. On the range, I'm a machine gun. (laughs) Boom, 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 boom. Um, but having good practice habits and t- being able to take that from the range to groove a good golf swing repetitively to the golf course, I think that's that's important. So mm-hmm. good practice habits is is kind of what I'm working on because I, like I said, I practice more than I play.
0: Right. And you can always make modifications too like if you like to go out there and just kind of, you know, Fire them off. I would suggest, you know, if if you were my student, I would say, you know what, when you get to the range, you know, warm up and then get ten balls and just just go for it. Just yeah. just just hit them. Have fun. Don't don't worry about it. Just blast them. Do whatever you want with those ten balls. Then, all right, now it's time for work.
1: Yeah, that's it, kind of get it out of your system. The very first thing you said about seeing somebody to see your golf swing—something I really haven't done, I know enough about the golf swing to be dangerous to myself. I'll see a golf tip on YouTube or something and I'll say, (laughs) I think I do that. And I always wonder, it's like, am I changing something in my golf swing that actually I shouldn't be changing? Maybe I don't do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying to reinvent my swing at the range based upon what I think I look like. Um, So it's good to have somebody actually take a look at it. Say, no, 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 no. You're way off, so even someone like me, been in the industry, I understand the swing a little bit. It's probably not a good idea for me to be just changing things on my own,
0: yes. And the same, same with myself. I mean, e- even as a golf instructor, you know, I'll have colleagues look at my swing, I don't do it often enough. Um, I but I do it once a year. I, I would say once a year, I have my own swing professionally looked at. And it, it always, I always go back to the same things. I have things in, that just creep up in my swing, and they're usually the same issues that I deal with. Usually, I think it's just I've been playing golf so long now, I, I'm not really adding any other issues to my swing, but I, I still struggle with the same things. So I have a tendency to get, for me, my grip gets a little too strong, and uh, I... I block my shots a lot with, with my lower body. So if you look at my alignment, uh, I set up way beyond a draw. (laughs) I'm pretty closed up. And so I have to conscientiously open myself up and get square, which for me feels really, really open and I always fight it. And so usually I'll get that corrected once a year and I'll make the corrections. And then over time I start closing back up. I start uh, grip gripping too strong with the position, especially with my my lead hand. So I have the same issue that comes up. But I can't self diagnose, and most people can't self diagnose. So it's well, even like, well, I can't, like, but I do. Yeah, so, and then I go backwards. <laughs> so it's like
1: yeah.
0: right. Yep. So yeah, yep. it's definitely good. And, and you know, you mentioned just routine, um, the consistency in having a routine is going to be the best thing to help you keep realistic expectations. And you can actually work on your golf swing at home. You do not have to be hitting balls. Um, If you don't have the time to get out and play, you know, I mentioned in the very beginning of this episode, for people that don't play that much golf and they expect to have, you know, really low scores or they they get frustrated or mad at themselves that they don't play well, you know, you can't do that if you're not playing a lot of golf. Um, but what you can do to have more realistic expectations is you can practice at home two to three times a week. If you have a mirror, um, that you can set up in the garage, or if you have a large bathroom that you could do a full swing in, I would highly recommend working through a pre-shot routine, looking at yourself, your posture, your aim, your alignment, your grip, you know, and then looking in the mirror and watching yourself And then taking the swing halfway back, checking your plane, getting to the top. Slow motion repetition is huge. I think it's better than going out and just hitting golf balls trying to to make a new motion. I always use slow motion repetition when I'm working with my students, wanting them to feel the change that we're trying to achieve. But feeling it, slow motion, repetition, in a mirror, at home, it does wonders for your game. And especially if you live in a cold climate, you know, let's say it's wintertime, um, it definitely you can keep working on your game. You will see a difference if you do that because all you're doing when you get to the course is, again, working through the same routine that you motion out at home. And routines create consistency, and consistency gives you confidence and in that confidence you're going to have low rounds, you're going to have fun, happy golf which we all want, and more realistic expectations.
1: It all makes sense. I got a ton of stuff to work on now.
0: <laughs> well, I again, I've told you this before. I mean, your game has really come together and like I said, it's okay if you want to go out there to the range and, you know, your first 10 balls or so, just go have a lot of fun with. And then after that, you just get a little bit more focused on your target and, and your the, your favorite clubs that you're practicing with and go from there.
1: Yeah, better range time.
0: Better range sure. time.
1: Utilize it better.
0: Yes. Yeah, because then you can translate it to the course. Exactly. So? <laughs> All right, so I hope everybody uh, watching and listening that you've learned a little bit in this podcast about having... Realistic expectations with your game. Okay, so the goal is this we want to have fun playing golf. We really do. I mean, we're not playing golf to have a miserable time. We want to have a great time playing golf. So keep it realistic. Don't be too hard on yourself. You know, you can use that grading scale. You know, if you, if you have a not so great shot, but it's still playable, hey, you know, give it a seven, give it an eight. Okay, keep it realistic. And I guaranteed. You're going to have lower strokes. You're going to have more fun. And you're going to be loving it. So.
1: I agree. All, we love.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, check out our other podcast on the Gimme Golf. We have, uh, this is our uh, 41st episode, I think. And we have 40 other episodes, lots of great golf information. So go check out our other episodes. Give us a like. And we will see you next time here on the Gimme Golf Podcast. Thanks, Nate.